Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here uh, ahead of a pretty exciting episode. We've been doing these crossover podcasts throughout the playoff run. Uh, they're always a bit of fun. And, and to be honest, uh, you guys, the listeners, always seem to enjoy this one. Now, uh, I think everyone's excited that we even have the chance to do an NBA Finals crossover. There's been plenty of moments during this playoff run where we didn't think this was going to be likely. But before... I bring in my guest today. I will say today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. I think you might be able to guess who that Player of the Week might be, but we'll come back to that. Uh, now, I'll bring in my co-host for today's episode, and I'm very excited. I'm very excited to have this man on the podcast, another Australian. I remember back going back a couple of years ago when I just started doing this podcast, uh, I did an episode with Lee Ellis and perhaps some of the listeners were a little bit new to my Australian accent and there was one listener in particular that was very upset that I had another Australian on the podcast. Apparently, they couldn't understand a word that we were saying for the entire show. So I hope that that's not the case uh, here a couple of years on. I've done around 600 episodes, so I think you'll be used to my voice, but it is, in my opinion... The foremost expert on the Phoenix Suns, David Nash. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Kane. It's uh, good to jump on with you here. And as you say, I'm just as excited to, as you to do a finals preview episode about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. Your team may be a little bit more expected to be there in the preseason uh, with people's projections and things, but my team certainly wasn't. So I'm uh, loving the opportunity to jump on with you here today. Loving the opportunity to jump on with another Australian. As you mm. said, we'll try and not confuse the listeners <laughs> too much and get into too many slang words and things like that. But uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of yours, have been for some time. I thought your story a couple of years ago was something that I uh, loved following. So uh, it just took a little while for my team to be quite at the level of yours to be able to jump on and do something like this. Yeah, I would say Phoenix Suns crossover pods probably haven't been high on the list in previous seasons. <laughs> but before we get into the Suns here, and, and I've said this, I haven't done too much planning for this because I know that you, you know your stuff as well as anyone. So I can just bounce stuff off you and we can just go back and forth here. But I will mm -hmm. talk about your work and uh, at Twitter, you can, you can follow David, the four-point play, the four being old school, the I and the V, the Roman numerals there. So you can follow David and... Uh, not that I need to pump up your credentials anymore, but your Substack page, the four-point play, is on your Twitter page as well. Everyone can go and subscribe. Not a better time to do that than ahead of the NBA Finals. You can certainly learn about the Phoenix Suns. And uh, David, I, I messaged you the other day and I said, look, if we get the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks in the Finals, we're going to do this podcast. And 
I don't think if you, if you do video breakdowns, which is what you're really excellent at, you do a lot of them, you see them on Twitter threads, you see them with your work over at the Substack page. But if you're doing video breakdowns and you get the endorsement of Zach Lowe, I think it means that you're doing pretty good stuff and it means that you know what's going on. Zach Lowe was retweeting your stuff the other day, man. So that's the, that's the only endorsement anyone needs to give of, of your work, I think. I got to say, it was, it was definitely a highlight. Uh, as you know and put up with, we're on a, a different time zone down here. <laughs> so I was uh, sitting up late at night tweeting some clips, which I guess just happened to coincide with pretty early morning on the East Coast where Zach Lowe uh, is from. And uh, I was as surprised as anyone uh, for him to uh, share something that I was talking about in relation to the Suns. And again, I guess more eyes on the team means more eyes on on work like uh, myself and plenty of other great Phoenix Suns content creators. So uh, yeah, that was a bit of a thrill for me. It's been a wild week or two and, and a wild few weeks really following this team uh, in the playoffs. And uh, I'm just tell- having just a hell of a time covering this team and uh, doing what I can to add to the conversation. And, and much like you said, it was um, a little bit of a shock that we're still talking about the team uh, at this point of the season. So I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts, mate. So unfortunately, I, I guess a pretty strong place to start when we discuss this finals is, is injuries. And this has been the case right through the entire postseason with virtually every team. Look, we understand where Giannis is at. No one really knows if he's going to play in game one. He definitely looks yeah. and seems like he's progressing. And the news we hear out of the team is that he's progressing in the right direction. But mm-hmm. Phoenix probably entered this finals pretty healthy as far as their main players. But it's not to say, and this is the case with everyone at this time of year, but it's not to say they don't have their concerns. So what's the injury wrap-up from Phoenix as far as you know, whether it's CP3, uh, Devin Booker, a campaign as well who's been a big player? Pretty clean bill of health. Uh, your, your listeners might not love to hear uh, on the Buck side, but uh, yeah, Devin Booker, broken nose, uh, broken face, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, copped another knock to it uh, in the in that game six when he took the mask off that was bothering him. But he looks all good to go. Uh, Chris Paul, as you mentioned, he's got this lingering shoulder injury that hasn't resurfaced uh, recently, but it's kind of... Uh, one knock away at any given time to to reshaking him up a little bit. So that's something to worry about. Obviously, we had the uh, COVID health and safety protocols to worry about with Chris, <laughs> but he seems to have got through that as well. Uh, Cam Johnson, uh, who's definitely in our regular rotation, missed game six with a non-COVID illness. So I think he is all good. The report there was that it was maybe some food poisoning. Uh, and campaign is hobbled by an ankle injury Um, But he hasn't missed a hell of a lot of time due to that. So he may be uh, in a Giannis type situation where he's, um, you know, not 100% but out there and and contributing to the team. So uh, compared to to your mob and and your side of things, um, I think the Suns are in a pretty good spot health-wise, mate. So the Booker stuff is interesting because, I mean, I found myself sitting on my couch just cringing anytime he would take the mask off because it felt like the second he did, it was like drawing the attention of everyone's elbows or shoulders or whatever it may be, foreheads, and he kept on getting hit in the nose. Has he... I, I. I didn't catch the end of the the conference finals there in terms of what he said after the game. It's it's clearly annoying him, which makes perfect sense. Is he going to wear the mask in the finals? Do you know? (laughs) It's a really interesting question, Kane. 
my gut right now, if I if I was a betting man, I would say no because he's clearly bothered by it. Uh, yep. The funny thing is, uh, his uh, childhood hero growing up in Detroit was Rip Hamilton, and he actually reached out to Rip before he wore the mask to try and get some tips. And the main tip that Rip gave him was <laughs> don't fiddle with it. Don't yeah. touch it. Don't take it off your head to shoot free throws. And then of course, game one, he got a couple of knocks and he was fiddling with it, you know, every game uh, stoppage that there was, and he's clearly bothered by it. The interesting thing about game six was he took it off about halfway through the game after missing a layup Um He's gone to he's gone at length to say and not use it as an excuse at any point in time because that's just the type of guy that he is. Um, but it, he clearly is bothered by it. And then, funnily enough, after he got an extra knock from uh, Paul George uh, and the game was over, they actually put him out there with the mask back on to not re-injure it. So, uh, yeah. In short, I, I would say we're going to see a maskless. Devin Booker in game one against the Bucks, uh, given the rest that he's had and how much it's bothered him. But I, I really don't know. Yeah, that Rip Appleton story had me had me dying when that I think they were basically explaining or or going through the fact that Hamlet had said, Whatever you do, don't take it off, just as he was saying, <laughs> screw it. I'm ripping this thing off. I can't handle this anymore. But um, yeah, we know that that's a that's a pretty common thing. So maybe if you're a Bucks fan, you're hoping he does wear it because then he's a little bit bothered out there. I'm I'm not hundred percent sure. I want to yeah. dive into some of the players and, and certainly the matchups. So I want to start with DeAndre Ayton. Before I do that, I'm going to run through the Miklob Ultra Player of the Week. And it can only be one, man. And after the game six performance, the third quarter, 23 points, it's got to be Chris Milton. Not the first time that he's won the Miklob Ultra Player of the Week. In fact, he, it was the second 20-point quarter that he had in the Eastern Conference Finals. Both times it came on the road. And there is a little bit of a, a lingering narrative that he struggles on the road but he essentially won two games for the Bucks on the road in this series Chris Milton not shooting the ball he's best throughout the Eastern Conference Finals but as he has done on multiple occasions he rose to the occasion uh, when they absolutely absolutely needed him so with Michelob Ultra as we say it's only worth it if you enjoy it only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories joy creates success enjoyment isn't the end game it's the whole game and we saw the Bucks looking pretty damn happy as they were hoisting the trophy after the Eastern Conference Final. So Chris Middleton is the Nikola Ultra Player of the Week. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Nikola Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So DeAndre Ayton, one of the, if not the, breakout player of the postseason, I think. I mean, it's pretty rare when you see a guy that young in their first postseason basically improve on all the numbers across the board. He's been incredibly efficient. I was looking this up earlier. So 70.6% from the field. And I know people scoff at field goal percentage, but listen, when you're only shooting twos and you roll into the basket and finishing off, it's, it's pretty indicative of the efficiency you're having. In fact, for players that have attempted over 100 shots in the postseason, there is 49 that uh, fall into that category. Aiton is number one in the entire postseason. And, and just a, a completely irrelevant name that I'm going to throw out here. The, the 49th player was Bogdan Bogdanovich, which maybe if you're a Bucks fan, you enjoy <laughs> that stat a little bit. So I'll throw it out there. But DeAndre Aiton, what, what has stood out to you? Because the other number that when I was looking at had me really 
just so so impressed with the way that he's been able to fit into this offense. He's also the number one player as the role man for points per possession. I think it was 1.59. That's off the top of my head. So he's just been destructive in the pick and roll. And yes, that makes a little bit of sense when you've got a genius like Chris Paul with the ball in, in his hands. But geez, Aiden has been terrific. He deserves so much credit. You know, I think a lot of the time, uh, too much credit gets given to guys like Chris Paul, uh, Monty Williams as the coach, and, and Devin Booker as the the young franchise guy, uh, having this, um, I guess, effect or impact on DeAndre Ayton. But any moment that I get to, I try and uh, give all the credit to DeAndre because this is a story about sacrifice, to be honest, Kane. All, all through the season, uh, don't get me wrong, I did not see this postseason coming from DeAndre. Uh, I don't think anyone really did. But if you look back through the season, they just brought in his shot profile um, and just reined him in all season. He started out shooting threes. He started out shooting these elbow jumpers that drove me insane because the form on them just looked terrible. And he's, you know, seven foot um, and can pretty much, you know, go at anybody in the post. So I'd rather, you know, see him uh, bang down low and, and try and get some paint touches where his touch is, you know, phenomenal. As you said there with the, the field goal percentage, there is a big reason for that. So this is kind of a story of just reining his role in to be not, what what I say is not the best version of DeAndre Ayton uh, for his entire career, but the best version of DeAndre Ayton right now that this team needed. You mentioned there as the role man just causing havoc, uh, diving down the middle. They've surrounded him with shooters. So his gravity, if they go with him and, and the extra man tries to tag, then um, the shooters get open and, and we knock down you know, from three. And then we've seen in some of these series where uh, they don't tag and they stay with the shooters and that's where he's been phenomenal and, and better than we expected uh, finishing down low over some of the bigs. You know, he's been up against Drummond, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, uh, Zubac in the, in the last, uh, they even thrown Marcus Gasol uh, and some small ball lineups at him as well. So uh, I'm fascinated to see how the journey ends here, obviously with Brooke Lopez and hopefully Giannis also guarding him at times. I would love to see that. Um, because it has just been a, a phenomenal debut playoff series from DeAndre Ayton. I've got a pretty funny memory of DeAndre Ayton because going back a couple of seasons ago, and I think, I'm not sure if this is 100% accurate, but I think it might have been uh, the game. It's either a game that's, that Milwaukee won pretty easily or maybe it was the Jamal Crawford game winner. I'm not sure. But the Bucs have, funnily enough, even when Phoenix were bad, we always used to joke, Phoenix are the only team that the Bucs can't win. Hopefully, they don't make the finals. So in some ways, it's ironic that Phoenix are here right now <laughs> uh, because the, the Bucs, no matter how bad the Suns were, just struggled to beat that team. But I remember I went into the locker room because I think I was trying to chase down Aaron Baines. It, it sounds right that that's what I was trying to do, which um, good luck with that. It's, it's normally a pretty hard task to get, uh, to get him. But DeAndre Ayton cracked me up because... I think one of the local reporters uh, asked him about defending Giannis or something like that. And he pretty much like straight out repeatedly basically said that the officials cheated and it was impossible for him to do anything. And the, and the referees were cheating and, and the Bucks shouldn't have won the game or, or whatever it was. It was just a hilarious reaction. And I realized that <laughs> I realized I hadn't actually spent a lot of time listening to DeAndre Ayton speak, but how honest he was and, and sort of, 
even in that situation, how jovial he was, I was kind of like, man, I kind of like this guy. And now this postseason, everyone seems to have fallen into, into that, uh, I guess, love for DeAndre Ayton and the way that he handles his post-game media and, and the joy that he has in a lot of the moments and, and some of the, the quotes he gives are just absolute gold. So he's become a super likable player. I, I do yeah. want to ask about Brooke Lopez, though, because this has been a, a fascinating development through the postseason for the Bucs as well. Lopez, with a lot of Bucks fans, was pretty maligned earlier in the season. And I think the way that we've seen the matchups pan out, there's always been a, a matchup that makes sense. It makes sense. So Capella made sense with Atlanta, despite the fact that Trey Young was going to cause some problems. In some ways, I feel like this Trey Young-Capella combination and now Chris Paul DeAndre Ayton it's almost like a nice warm-up for what the not not in the exact same way but in terms of a really destructive pick and roll player and then a big that is no doubt a lob threat but certainly a roll threat how do you see that matchup playing out in terms of what the Suns are going to do with with Brooke Lopez and how he would defend the pick and roll and how he would defend DeAndre Ayton Firstly, I love that you brought up DeAndre's, you know, quotability. I think he's the most, you know, quoted guy on the Suns and, and probably will be in the whole league uh, for some time. It got him in some trouble early on in his career. And now that he's backing it up on the court, we're, we're happy to turn a blind eye to some of those uh, two honest quotes sometimes. Uh, the most famous one is he just said that he was trying to get to his second contract, which after the Suns passed up on Luka Dontich for him, uh, the, the fan base didn't take that one uh, too kindly. But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting comparison. Obviously, Trey Young, Chris Paul, slightly different players, but have that ability to get into the teeth of the defense. Uh, Chris has that elbow jumper, whereas Trey has that um, you know, that floater. So mm. Brooke was, you know, you know, forced as the series went on to kind of come higher and higher. And I think from uh, Phoenix's standpoint, you'll see that too. They might make Chris show at first, but I think Chris will, has just punished any team in the drop this year. So Brooke is going to have to come up like he did towards the end of that Atlanta series. Capella and Aiton, very similar players as well. And it comes back to that sacrificial role uh, that Aiton plays right now. I think his role right now is pretty similar to what Capella does for any team that Capella has been on, even going back to those Houston teams. The one key difference is Aiton has a little bit more in his offensive arsenal than mm-hmm. Capella does. You know, Capella's obviously just finishing a lot of those lobs, a uh, bit of an offensive rebound threat as well. With Aiton, uh, the Suns more and more in this playoff series have been using him as a bailout option. So if Brooke, if you imagine Brooke uh, and say Drew Holiday both shading to the right on Chris Paul, um, yeah, and that lob's not quite there because of Brooke's height, uh, they're actually finding. DeAndre kind of in the middle of the paint as that bailout option. And he's got a couple of moves and he's got a great uh, touch on his right hook um, and it has a great little jump uh, jump shot there. So that's probably the key difference here and where there might be a little bit more to guard for Brooke uh, in this matchup versus, I guess, the one-dimensional uh, pick and roll from Trey and Capella. I was thinking about it today and you know the meme that uh, has become pretty popular where you may have like one player or two players and then there's the the upgrade button and then you've got the the photo of the other players. I was thinking about that (laughs) today with Trey Young and Capella and then you upgrade to Chris Paul and Aiton because I think... As you discussed, I mean, Trey Young is, is clearly a, a destructive player offensively. The pick-and-roll is a great passer, great distributor. But 
he doesn't he's not the type of player that pulls up for that mid-range shot which which i feel is even more hard to defend because a lot of the times even when trey young was hitting those floaters when he was getting downhill it was like look i, I get it brooke lopez should probably move up a little bit higher here but god that is a tough shot over the seven footer with his hand out stretch whereas with chris paul has that that shot from the right elbow there where it's it's almost a kind of a step back fadeaway. Like he can he can sort of get that whenever he wants if you're gonna give yeah. him even a couple of steps. So it, it just feels like it's more challenging. And then Aiden, as you said, has got more moves in the paint. So I, I think this is going to be a huge issue. The other thing that is interesting to me, and this comes back to the Bucks postseason long struggles when it comes to shooting the ball. Phoenix have been been it, it's felt at times watching them that they've gone through serious struggles shooting the ball but overall they're still shooting 37 percent from three or 37.3 percent from three on in yep. on the postseason where the bucks are way down at 31 it's been absolutely brutal but the thing that's super fascinating about the shot profile with the suns is they actually only get up 30 a day and that's because they do have chris paul and devin booker who like to go to work in the mid-range so it's just an interesting shot profile with the way this offense runs yeah it is and and our i guess more um consistent guys on the ball in devin booker and chris paul actually uh, aren't high volume great three-point mm. shooters you know devin booker is shooting 34.4 percent from three uh, in the postseason, and I would hazard a guess that that's maybe even more than what he's shooting uh, during the regular season uh, on six attempts. Uh, and Chris is at 40.5, but particularly because of the shoulder, um, and I didn't mention the wrist injury that he outed himself for yeah, having an MRI yeah. for, uh, that he's only shooting three a game. Um, and isn't a, you know he's really only taking the ones where he's left wide open and he's kind of dared to shoot. So campaign's an interesting one for your listeners to watch out for. He will get it up. He's shooting thirty-six uh, percent at the moment on three and a half attempts and only plays twenty minutes per game. So he'll really get it up. But you know it really comes down to our wings. Uh, so you got Mikael Bridges shooting thirty-five in the in the postseason so far. Jay Crowder thirty-seven, and he'll knock down absolutely anything that he's left wide open on. Bucks uh, fans are Cam- in cold sweat about Jay Crowder. Let me tell you, <laughs> after last year's second round with Miami, Bucks fans, Crowder might be the player that Bucks fans are most fearful of right now. Yeah, and you kind of have to be uh, if if you leave him wide open. The, uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. If you can at least get a hand up on him, that percentage will drop uh, in a nasty, nasty way. I'm sure your listeners are already familiar with that. But if you think back to that Heat team, you know those dribble handoffs with Duncan Robinson and, and Bam, it just leaves uh, Jay wide open. And it's similar with this team. We run a lot of action through DeAndre Ayton, Booker, and Paul, so the ball often swings to a wide open Crowder, and he's a like 50 50 plus percent uh if he's wide open on those shots uh and cam johnson's the sniper in this team right now he's shooting 45 percent from three on three and a half attempts uh and someone that my podcast host and i uh, just continually talk about how we can possibly get him more minutes in these playoffs he's playing 20 and a half minutes per game uh, and i'd like to see that trend upwards given uh, how well he's shooting from deep The rotations are going to be really curious here. I mean, obviously the Bucks. we don't know whether Giannis is going to play, but let's just assume that he doesn't play for game one at least. Milwaukee have really cut it back to basically seven guys when you also include that um, Dante DiVincenzo isn't playing. So basically Pat Connaughton is the main guy off the bench and then they'll sort of have a bit of a heat check with 
uh, Bryn Forbes and see if he's knocking down threes. But if he's not, Bud, you know, to his credit, has been pretty quick to pull him. But then you look across yeah. at the Suns, and I mean, they've they legitimately been playing nine guys for the most part with Booker, Paul, Aiton, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, Campaign, Cam Johnson, as you mentioned, uh, Sarich, and then uh, also Tory Craig, an old friend of ours, which, by the way, I read, uh, <laughs> I, I did read that report, and I don't know why I didn't think about this, that Tory Craig gets a ring no matter, who, no matter who wins. I don't know whether he would actually knock back the, the Milwaukee ring. I'm, I'm not sure whether he was too happy with the situation here, but it's always going to be one we'll ask about. But he's obviously had some, some big moments with you guys as well. But when you yeah. talk about fatigue across the course of a postseason, I mean, the, the role players have been able to step up and, and actually being playable for the Suns does feel relevant. It does. I, I, I kind of I recorded earlier today uh, on, on my regular podcast, and uh, I don't know if I'm being too pessimistic about this, but I'm kind of looking at it a little bit the other way here, Kane. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's winner takes all here. You don't have to think too much about mm-hmm. uh, the future and the offseason when you're playing for a Larry O'Brien trophy. And I know, you know, you follow the Bucks a hell of a lot closer than I do, but I know that one thing is that Bud doesn't play guys enough. Uh, and I do wonder, you know, Monty's got a similar thing where he'll throw some really funky lineups out there where it's like, you know, it's the Western Conference Finals, Monty. Why are you playing, <laughs> you know, Abdul Nader and Tory Craig together with Devin Booker right now? Um, so I do wonder whether it might bite them a little bit. I do think the Suns possess way better depth right now, say positions, you know, 8 through 15 on the roster. But, you know, Bud might just be forced to play his best guys as much as possible. And Monty might stuff around a little bit too much because he does have different levers to pull. So that's something I'm going to be watching in these first couple of games, particularly if Giannis doesn't play, is how much Monty, um, you know, make sure that he doesn't mess around too much with those uh, lesser guys at the end of the bench and and really tries to pick up these first two wins at home. But let me... Uh, let me throw you a question here because I've been trying to rack my brain on it here. I know you went with Bobby Portis uh, as Giannis's replacement in the starting lineup uh, against the Hawks at the end there. I'm thinking it might be Pat Connaughton, but you're the expert here. What are you thinking if Giannis is out? Uh, what's the starting five? I think I'm kind of leaning that way as well. And, and the reason for that is, it, look, the Bucks in general have done a better job of being able to cover three-point shooters when they're switching. And particularly, as we've seen in the last couple of games when they were willing to switch one to five, you just leave yourselves in better positions to be able to cover those three-point shooters in those screen actions that you already mentioned. So I think that in the Hawks series, it made a little bit of sense. When they're starting a front court of Collins and Capella, it's like, okay, we can put Bobby Portis out there size for size a little bit, and then you yeah. still like the offensive rebound of P.J. Tucker. But when I try and think about the matchups for this series, I just automatically assume, obviously, Drew Holiday will play on Chris Paul. Chris Middleton has been the guy that's done, a, I think, a pretty respectable job on Devin Booker, to be honest, in the past. And I think that there is a chance that he might be the best matchup. My only hesitance with that. And I, I, again, I, I talk about fatigue a lot just because of the importance that Middleton's going to have on the offensive end, particularly if Giannis doesn't play. I do wonder whether they would even try and go with PJ Tucker, despite the fact that I think that there would be some quickness concerns there. Booker would yeah. be able to get his shot off. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about that, but I, I am aware that the Bucks may try to get away with that. But then if I look at Crowder and I look at Bridges and, and I think who would be better suited to at least trying to close out, at least stick with those guys. And I think that Conan makes some sense over Portis. 
Yeah, I think we're, we're pretty similar on that, I think. Uh, I think the temptation would be uh, to throw Portis out there because uh, the Suns, uh, when they've looked their worst in these playoffs, is probably early on against Davis and Drummond, uh, against the Lakers in round one. Uh, and the Clippers threw them for a little bit of a loop by throwing DeMarcus Cousins out there a little bit more than they were expecting and, and trying to beat them up with size a little bit. I'm a little bit scared of it as a Suns fan, to be perfectly honest, because Monty has a... Um, susceptibility, I should say, I suppose, to uh, trying to match the opponent instead of playing our game. Uh, and I think that, you know, Crowder at the four is is our best lineup and, and our best option in a series like this. Um, but you might be able to throw him off his game a little bit and uh, make him at least think about playing Saric uh, or, heaven forbid, Frank Kaminsky out there with DeAndre Ayton uh, if you go with Brooke Lopez and, and Bobby Portis. Uh, up front. So that's, an, yeah, another thing, Giannis or no Giannis, that I'm a, a little bit concerned about in terms of the way they might match up against each other. Yeah, so I think that's the flip side when you're talking about either Connaughton or Porter. So we saw in game five, and to be fair, I think that offensive rebounds were a theme right throughout the series with the Bucks and the Hawks. But we did see that in that game five, when they started with Portis, it was an all-out assault on the offensive glass. And that really translated to, to pretty important second-chance buckets. And, and you know, it, it feels like in these big games, all these offensive rebounds always end up in a three-point shot, a wide-open three-point shot as well when the defense <laughs> yep. is scrambling. So if you look at the numbers across the postseason, the Bucks are number one in the playoffs for... Uh, offensive rebounds and also number one in the playoffs for second chance points at the Phoenix Suns are second last for offensive rebounds and then they're 13th out of the 16 teams for second chance points there so look that's that's certainly an area where I think as much as I've said just matchup wise maybe it makes sense to play Connaughton the Bucks might just say screw it we're going all out with size and we're going to try and hammer the glass and see if we can get some extra opportunities wouldn't shock me at all. It's actually the number one thing uh, that we noted earlier today on our podcast that, that the Bucks might be able to get the ascendancy in. Uh, I was shocked. My, my podcast host brought it to the table. I hadn't picked up on it yet, just how good offensively uh, on the glass the Bucks have been in the playoffs. Uh, a much, much better team um, than the Suns, who pretty much just rely on DeAndre Ayton to try and get three or four a game. And as you said, uh, they're, they're kind of soul crushers when he kicks them out to those three-point shooters and you get an extra three points. But uh, definitely something to watch in this series. It's actually pretty funny. I mean, as, as much as we bring that up, obviously with Portis, you have the size, but it is one of the dangerous aspects of this Bucks team because Pat Connaughton as well for a guard, one of the best offensive rebounding guards in the league. So you don't necessarily lose it with Connaughton out on a floor, which is something to at least keep in mind here. But yeah, just across the playoffs, uh, Giannis is getting you 2.3, Brooke 2.2, PJ 2.1, and then Portis, Holiday, Middleton, and Connaughton are all getting over one offensive rebound per game as well. So they're hitting the glass. It's definitely been an, an area of importance for them, which is kind of ironic because it was kind of the reason why they lost uh, game one there when they went small and the Hawks were able to pick up a bunch of offensive rebounds. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but I do have to ask about the defensive side of the ball for Phoenix. Uh, how do you see the matchups playing out? And again, let's, let's just assume that Giannis isn't there, but uh, I think if Giannis is there, DeAndre Ayton did most of the defending on Giannis during the regular season. Uh, yeah. Also interesting to note that Jay Crowder wasn't starting back then, but he's had experience. And as we know, you need more than one guy with Giannis. Regardless, Crowder is a pretty damn good uh, second body to be really physical, and, and particularly if he's hurt. But let's just assume that Giannis isn't playing. What, how do you see this playing out? 
Yeah, I think you know, I, I will say I want Giannis to play in case I don't get another opportunity to say it here. You know, it's <laughs> something that uh, we touched on quite a bit when we recorded a few hours ago. Uh, my podcast host and I actually have a pretty special uh, attachment to, to Giannis. Uh, he was the one who put me put me onto him to begin with. And uh, my last NBA game was actually the Bucks versus the Nets in Brooklyn, where uh, Max, my podcast host, convinced me to, to fork out the money and go see him in the flesh because it's a completely different experience, as I'm sure you have experienced a, a number more times than I have. So uh, we want him out there. But if he isn't out there and it is Connaughton uh, in the starters at the moment, I'm looking at it. Uh, Mikael Bridges will get the assignment on Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. I think he will do as good a job as anyone possibly can on the Suns, and if he's not holding up, we might see someone like Tory Craig thrown uh, to to that matchup. Um, I think we'll obviously have Lopez versus Aiton down low, which will leave Jay Crowder probably matching up with PJ Tucker, and not too much of a def- defensive matchup there. Just <laughs> are they a couple fighting of, though? Are they going to fight yeah. though? That's the question we all want to know. <laughs> couple of brutes going at it and trying to hit as many op- wide open corner threes as possible. <laughs> uh, we we joked, you know, for Crowder in particular, it's a big difference between potentially sitting in the corner against PJ Tucker versus um, you know being asked to to guard Giannis. Uh, so right. he's probably got the biggest swing in terms of his defensive. Uh, matchup uh, depending on whether Giannis plays or not. Uh, then it gets really interesting in the guards. I think um, we'll have Chris Paul potentially trying to hide out on Pat mm-hmm. Connaughton is how I would probably see it. Devin Booker has this thing where he likes to to take uh, solid defensive matchups. So I'd actually prefer that he's the one hiding out on Pat Connaughton and, and maybe Chris Paul goes up against Drew Holiday. But uh, everything that I've watched this season suggests that Booker will probably get uh, the first crack at Drew Holiday and hopefully be able to um, stand up okay. I know Drew has kind of struggled a little bit through these playoffs, uh, shooting at least from the field. So uh, hopefully he doesn't get going for our sake against Devin Booker. So that's pretty much how I see the matchups in in the starting lineup at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting that you, that you, you mentioned Crowder on Tucker. I think that makes sense if you start Connaughton. I, I assume... If you start Portis, Crowder would probably go to Portis and then you can hide someone else on Tucker. I assume that's how you would you would see it. Yeah, it probably changes a little bit there because, well, I guess I think of that Hawks series, I know they were hiding Trey Young as much yeah. as possible out on PJ Tucker. So again, it's probably not that much of a difference to just say, Chris, go sit in the corner mm-hmm. uh, and direct traffic against PJ Tucker and try and keep him off the offensive glass as much as possible. Although, like I said before, I would be very scared of a uh, hip and shoulder to the back of Chris Paul's uh, shoulder mm-hmm. on, on one of those offensive boards uh, and potentially taking it out of the series because he's literally just one away you know, from something drastic happening. So that would be my only concern with that. But yeah, I think Chris is the one who's basically hiding on uh, you know, whether it's Bryn Forbes, Pat Connaughton, PJ Tucker, he's probably taking one of those three guys that are out there. So I think this is an interesting wrinkle of this series because, I mean, most NBA finals are super physical, but I'm expecting this is going to be the same. And when you look at some of the names in this series, and, and not all of these players are necessarily players you think of as being super physical, but they're happy to talk and they're happy to play the mind games a little bit, if you think. So Chris Paul, obviously chief uh, culprit there. 
And then Jay Crowder <laughs> is going to be super physical on the Bucks side, Portis and PJ Tucker. So to me, there is at least the makings of a pretty intense series, particularly if it draws out. I, I think I saw you tweet this. So this is just, I, I'm just throwing you at, uh, throwing this at you and, and I might be completely wrong. So just uh, shut me down there. Is there a technical foul situation with these Suns players? There is. I was going to let you know if you didn't uh, lead me into that one, but you've already taken me there. Uh, yeah, little secret for, for you and your listeners. I'm sure the Bucks are well aware of it. Jay Crowder has five, uh, and obviously we know that seven is an automatic suspension. Devin Booker got himself a lot of early ones and I believe has four. And I think off the top of my head, it's campaign who has three. So uh, I know we saw a lot of negative commentary about nobody jumping in to Chris Paul's defense when Patrick Beverly shoved him in the back uh, when he wasn't looking. Uh, the only person I was mad out in that situation was Frank Kaminsky because he shouldn't be seeing <laughs> the floor doing? in the... Shouldn't be seeing the floor in the NBA finals, so he could have stepped in and, and done something. But there'd clearly been a discussion not to get stuck into any um, dramatic stuff with the Clippers, particularly if the Suns were up, because all those guys are well aware of the tech situation. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be physical. It's going to be chirpy. Uh, all I would say from a Suns perspective is that I hope that other guys step in and, and take the techs uh, instead of Jay Crowder and, and Devin Booker because we cannot afford to lose uh, either of those guys for a game in this series. That was really weak, Frank. Come on, man. Like, like, like David said, <laughs> you're not playing. We saw the boxing game too. We're getting absolutely obliterated by the Nets back in the second round. And so the Bucks cleared the bench and Mamadi Diakite off the bench, just clotheslined. I, I think it was, I can't remember. It might have been Tyler Johnson on the Nets, picked up a flagrant in his first 30 seconds of playoff basketball. So that, that's what you got to do when you're a role player. Okay, there's no time to mess around. This is the playoffs. Uh, I've got one more for you, but before I do, starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 is presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini and general manager, former general manager, Ryan McDonough, David, our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. Uh, that's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Uh, last one, I'm just opening the floor. Is there anything that you guys have discussed? Is there anything that's, that's on your mind, anything that stands out to you that you want to throw at us before we wrap this up? Oh, that's a good question. I already got my Giannis take out there that I hope mm. that he, he is out there. So that's definitely not something... Um, that we need to to bring up again. I think we've done a pretty good job uh, of covering it. Um, let's go Brooke Lopez. You yeah. mentioned him on the defensive side. Uh, I kind of had to pick an X factor earlier today uh, on my podcast about that I was worried about um, from the Bucks perspective. And, and I went with Brooke because, as you said, he's uh, improved uh, through the playoffs. I've got it here, regular season, 12.3 points and five rebounds on 50, 34, 63. I'm sure your listeners are, are fully aware of this, but that jumped in the playoffs to 13 and a half and 6.1 rebounds on 57, 35, 65. And then that Atlanta series, 18.7 points, uh, dropped down to 3.3 rebounds. But as we know, it's it's all about the team rebounds with with Brooke and the shooting splits were 68, 36, 75. 
particularly if he can get going a little bit from three and drag Aiton out there. That's where he's least comfortable on the NBA floor right now and then really struggles with when to make the run back to the rim to help uh, on some of the other um, players that are that are getting to the rim. So um, Brook Lopez, particularly if Giannis is out, uh, from a Suns perspective, at least, uh, where we sit, he's the one that we're really watching right now uh, because I kind of expect Chris to do Chris things, uh, Chris Middleton, that is, uh, and Drew Holiday to maybe pick up a little bit of the slack. But if you can get a third guy going in Brook Lopez, I think that's where the series might get really, really interesting. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone predicted that he would have had 33 points in that game five, but he's always been this underutilized resource for the Bucks offensively. And I say that, yeah. and, I, and I've brought this up before, it's it's not to say that he's been mismanaged or, or uh, used inappropriately. It's just that when Giannis is on the floor, you can't use him the way that at times, you can really maximize him. We've seen it when Giannis has been on the bench. They've been able to use Brook. But I mentioned the role numbers, and I brought it up because I wanted to to make sure I had this. So DeAndre Ayton, uh, pick and roll possessions as a role man, 59 across the postseason, 1.59 points per possession, which is obviously extremely good. Uh, funnily enough, the second player in that category, Brook Lopez. Now, he's only attempted 22 possessions, which is 37 fewer than Aiden. So you're looking at a, a far smaller sample size here, but he's at 1.55 points per possession. And then you go down to Giannis, who himself only has 36. So I think in general, you get the idea that the Bucks probably don't use the pick and roll with Drew or Middleton as the initiator as much as they they should or as much as they could because it's been a bit of a, a money play for them. There's no doubt about that. And the other interesting factor with all this, uh, when you look at uh, the buckets that Brooke had in Game 5 and Game 6, he had 19 shots, 18 of those were two-pointers, and 14 of those were assisted by Holiday or Middleton. Holiday is assisted on 28 Lopez baskets this postseason. Chris Middleton's at 24, and then it goes all the way down to Giannis at 13. So Giannis, we know, destructive in the paint, dominant player, but the the playmaking of Holiday and Middleton and how they can engage Brook Lopez if Giannis isn't out there, again, I would just describe it as an underutilized resource that's a, that's a pretty damn good third option. Definitely, and that's where we'll see uh, a, a guy we haven't really mentioned, Mikael Bridges, come into it. I think Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton are, are probably you know, one of the best pick-and-roll defense combos in the NBA that a lot of fans tuning into the finals that haven't seen the Suns very often are going to see probably mostly in those Chris Brook pick-and-rolls because I think uh, Mikael will be on Chris Middleton uh, as much as they physically can possibly get him onto Chris Middleton. So, uh, and if Drew starts cutting us apart, um, you know, you know, Mikhail might be the option there and then they might try uh, Booker or someone on, on Middleton too. So yeah, that's one for your, for your listeners to, to look out for Mikhail uh, and DeAndre Ayton, very, very good defensive pairing for the Suns this year. And a big reason why we're uh, right up there in, in the defensive rankings. Love it, mate. And uh, as you just mentioned, yes, the Bucks number one defense in the postseason. Uh, so far, the Suns number two there as well, just uh, purely on defensive rating, even though uh, pretty small sample size there. But they've been really solid. Two really solid defensive teams that we've seen can be explosive offensively, but it hasn't always been the case. And they've been able to stay in games and win games on the back of their defense, which is uh, you know may set the scene for a few low-scoring NBA Finals classics 
some 78 to 81 action, something like that. Who knows? The finals can get pretty grubby at times, so we'll see how that goes. But, David, this was awesome, man. i got to let you go. I, I always say, look, 30 minutes, it ends up being a, a little bit longer than that. But uh, I wanted to podcast with you for a long time. I'm glad we got to do this. And I, I will just say again, during the finals, make sure you follow David. Check out his stuff, the four-point play. Uh, is the Substack uh, name there. You can find it on his Twitter page. David Kevin is the Twitter name there. So you'll be able to track him down. I follow him. You'll be able to find it easy enough. I'll tag him in this podcast as we put it up. But man, uh, you taught me a lot, not only in this podcast, but over the past few weeks and right through this season as you've really uh, dove into it. So I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on and, and giving a chance to, to talk about this. And who knows, you know, we might be talking about it again uh, sometime soon. Happy to jump on whenever we can make it work. And uh, I just can't wait for this NBA finals and uh, really looking forward to a rock fight of a matchup by the sounds of things. No, I love it. And uh, I've mentioned this a couple of times on our show, but two nights off several times after game two, plenty of time. So I'm sure we'll be able to catch up again before this is all done. Uh, for our listeners, I already mentioned uh, this podcast is going to be out there. We've already had two since the end of game six. So just uh, plenty of podcasts for you to catch up on. And then tomorrow before game one, I'm catching up with Frank and we're going to do the Bucks side of the preview there. You know, Frank's got plenty of opinions. So we'll get him talking there and we'll get it out to you. And then We'll get ready for game one. Not much time to celebrate for Bucks fans. It's just like you, you win the conference finals and then game one is 48 hours away. So we're going to continue <laughs> to build up for that. Uh, for David and myself, uh, enjoy the show. Enjoy the, the, the celebrations that are probably still going on in Milwaukee. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.